just love to have you over for dinner. And I said, oh, great. You know, do you have kids in our program? Because I was working in youth ministry. They said, no. We just, when people come on church staff, we want to welcome you. We want to serve you dinner. That's it. I said, okay. So I went to their house, and it was my first time ever seeing a split-level house. I, I didn't grow up around split-levels. It was very confusing for me because I saw stairs going down, and then I saw Dick and Judy up there waving to me, and I went, do I go that way or this way? Like, I don't, I don't know. And they're like, you, you silly Texan, get up here, come on. So I sat and had a wonderful meal with them, and I said, hey, like, are you guys involved with our ministry? Do you, you know, do you lead a small group? Do you lead a Bible study? Like, you're, you're older, so I imagine your kids are not in our ministry. And they said, no. Part of our calling in this church is to help welcome new people. And we got other people that we're going to have dinner with later in the week. But we're just really, really thankful that you're here. What an amazing gift. What an amazing message to me as a young man trying to figure out what, what does my life need to look like? What, am I called to ministry? Like, what is this? Imagine the opposite of that, which we've all experienced. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, the famous wedding passage, refers to the lack of love as like an empty gong or a clanging cymbal, just a, a noise that is offensive. Imagine if I had felt that way when I first arrived there. Imagine if I just kind of had to fend for myself. That might not have encouraged me too much in ministry. Might have had a different trajectory for my life. I know that stories like what I experienced with Dick and Judy are great, but I also know that most of us in the room are thinking, you know, since COVID, it's a lot harder to do that now, which I get. And I, I want to be safe. I want to encourage safety in our community, but I don't want us to be too safe. I worry that in the time of COVID, when we spent so much time on screens and in isolation, forced or chosen isolation, our relational muscles have atrophied. Our ability to courageously say to someone, like Dick and Judy said to me, I could have been a total punk to them. They didn't know that, but they welcomed me into their house at a risk. I worry that we are so risk averse now that we will miss so many opportunities to love and care for and welcome people into a warm home and offer them a good meal. I believe that this is a huge moment for the church to say, you know what, we're going to love people. And maybe in your context, maybe with how you're trying to think about ministry right now, you're like, I couldn't welcome someone into my kitchen, but I'd have dinner ready for them on the back deck with a heater. Great. You do what you need to do to be safe and to take care of your family. But just hear me. This is not a time for us to continue to be safe. This is not a time for us to ignore the needs of our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends who are sick and tired of being isolated and they don't know that the people who know Jesus Christ have been commanded to love one another. In so many different forms, we are called to love one another. And today is kind of foundational for this sermon series we're going to go through for the next couple weeks that's just simply called love, or it's simply called one another. We're going to look at the one another statements in the New Testament. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Serve one another. This one, love one another, is foundational because this is the gospel. This is the core of the gospel. So we're going to get into that in a little while. And if you are listening to this and you're here or you're online, you've probably heard the gospel. But I've heard it too, and I need to be reminded of it, so we're going to do that together. And if you are online and you don't know the gospel, I hope you hear this loud and clear. So let's just kind of go with an outline for today. It's very short. We're going to talk about agape love, A-G-A-P-E, agape love. 
and we're going to talk about next steps, okay? So before we can talk about what agape love is, other than, you know, kind of a fancy-sounding seminary term, we're going to talk about where this passage falls in the scriptures. This is the upper room discussion between Jesus and his disciples. He's coming to Jerusalem. This is the end of his ministry. He's not yet headed to the cross, but he's getting there. And he has had these profound moments with his disciples already. It's an emotional time for him. He has washed their feet. Remember, he takes on this posture of a servant. He literally kneels before his disciples and washes their feet. And he's offering final instructions to them. Like, hey guys, before I go, you really need to hear this. And I bet some of you have done this too. If you've moved, if you've left a place where you've been loved really well, and you've taken on a new calling, or you've gone off to school, or you've moved across the country, you want to finish well, don't you? Like, there's this human urge. It's kind of this, this gut conviction where you go, if I really love these people, my neighbors, my colleagues, my friends, I want to just tell them that. I don't want to just leave and say, all right, guys, it's been fun, thanks. I want to bless them. I want to thank them. And in this moment, Jesus does not mince words with his disciples. He's blessing them, and he's giving them this calling to love one another. But before we can talk about how to love one another and what it means, we have to talk about the source of it. And here's why. People in the world outside the church hear us talk about love one another, and they go, great, that sounds like karma. If I'm good to someone else, good things will happen to me. Or if I'm bad to other people, bad things will happen to me. So it makes sense. It's a good survival tactic for your social group. This is a great behavior to sort of impress upon one another. That's the way the secular perspective on love one another plays itself out. But that's not the gospel. There's no motivation to love one another when it gets difficult, when it gets inconvenient, when it is costly to us. The only thing that will enable us to continue to strive to love one another perpetually is the gospel. And where do we see that in the scriptures? Look at 1 John 4 with me. This is 1 John 4, 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is where we get into agape love. This is real love, agape love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. If you ever wonder, where is the gospel in the scriptures? Where can I find like a really concise summary? Look no further than 1 John 4, 9 and 10. There it is. Let us be mindful of this, church. Let us write this upon our hearts and hang it over our, doors, our doorways, as it says in the Old Testament, that lest we forget that the calling to love one another is not rooted in sentiment, it is not rooted in karma, it is not rooted in a behavior acceptable to your social group, it is rooted in the fact that God loved us. While we were yet sinners, he loved us. And if this is true, which I believe it is, then love one another cannot be rooted in how it will benefit me. It can't be. It may benefit me to love people. It may benefit me to be gracious and kind and serve others. But ultimately, if my telos, if the end point of my desire to love others is simply to be a nice person and make myself feel good, oh, that's going to be very short-lived. That, that's a firecracker that's going to explode and fizzle out, and there won't be any more to it. Love one another is a call to reflect who God is to the outside world. To love one another is to demonstrate the character and faithfulness of God to other people. 
And, and, and in particular, one of my great heroes, Dallas Willard, I think summarizes this really well. Dallas Willard was a professor of philosophy at USC for 40 years. He's a Christian, he's a theologian. Here's how he talks about agape love, love one another love. He says, he says agape love seeks the flourishing of the object upon which it is, is directed. If you, if you look through your, your sights, and, 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 and if you line up the crosshairs, that, that object, that destination, is where, is where your love needs to be poured out into, into bring, bring flourishing on others. others. This, is, this is the love of God. C.S. Lewis wrote this great book, Love, Love, and there's this, and there's love, love between friends, friends love, 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 marriage, marriage there's love, affection for others, 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 but this, this type of love, God, they are in love. Of the top of the heap. This is the love, the love that changes, changes because it seeks the flourishing, flourishing object, object, which is direct. What, what do I mean by that? that? Well, I have a talk about chocolate, chocolate to explain. To explain. This, this is my favorite, my favorite dessert. dessert. Anybody know, know what this is? What is it? What is it? German chocolate, chocolate cake. Jesus, Jesus, I want to answer that. I'm not just left right now. German chocolate cake, I'll make life like when I put a cons on top. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, texture in there. So, so, right? This is my favorite dessert. If you ask me, what kind of dessert do you love? I would say, I love chocolate cake. But I love it in the sense that I want to eat it. I don't love it in an agape, flourishing way. I do not see that flourishing of chocolate cake. I see chocolate cake being stomach. You and I have things that we love. I love a good coffee. I love the sunglasses. But to seek the flourishing requires relationship. It requires intentionality. And oh boy, Eastsiders brace for this. It might require you to be uncomfortable, to spend time and energy on others. And I'm not saying that pejoratively. So many of you do this so well. I'm going to talk about great examples from our church of this. I am proud of our church and our willingness to be sacrificial with our time. But let me just name one of the idols that is present here on the east side. And that is, say it with me, I don't have... I don't have time. We say that more than ever after COVID, and I want to just ban it from our lexicon. Because for God to fully be in control of your life and my life, things like I don't have time, we need to let that go. We do. I do. So, do I seek the flourishing of chocolate cake? No. But I seek the flourishing of people I love. When you have a child, you're going to seek the flourishing of that kid for the rest of your life. When you build a business, when you do something that you deeply, deeply care about, when you write a song, when you invest in something that God has given to you, you don't want to just do it. You want it to flourish. Gardeners understand this. People who raise livestock understand this. You can't just nominally care for livestock. You have to seek their flourishing. This is agape love. I talk about this when I do pre-marriage counseling with couples. It's not about you anymore. You want to get married? Buckle up. It is not about you anymore. It is about seeking the flourishing of someone else at great cost to yourself, which is fully embodied and realized in no greater setting than the cross of Jesus Christ. 123 times in the New Testament, this term agape is used. Jesus uses it four times, just in verses 34 and 35 of our passage today. Agape alelon, love one another. Agape love each other, is what he's telling his disciples to do. So what do we do with this? 
I want to offer three encouragements and then we'll take some time for discussion questions. The first encouragement is this. Make sure your pursuit of agape love is rooted in the gospel. Make sure that you remind yourself, Christians, that you are crystal clear on what the gospel is and what it is not. And if, you're not, and if you're not yet a Christian and you want to step into this value, hear me on this. Know that you, just simply by being a part of this service or listening to this as it's recorded later on, God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I will bring flourishing to you. That's what I want for you. The gospel is that God has poured out his love on us in such a way that we can flourish. That's the incredible news of the gospel. We don't have to survive. We don't have to live off subsistence things around us. We can flourish because of God's great love poured into each of our lives. You, church, you are the object of God's flourishing. You are the bride of Christ, and he wants you to flourish. It may not always look like it. It may not always look like it. Sometimes flourishing looks really painful. Sometimes it is painful. Sometimes you don't feel like you're flourishing for months and months and months, and then you look back later and you go, okay, I see where you're at work, Lord. I get it. This has been my journey with grief. I was having lunch with a friend this week who has lost people he loved, very dear to him recently. He lost his job. He has had kind of a Job-type experience, just at the bottom of the pit. And yet, even in his voice, I could hear this desire, Lord, I still want to be of service to you. I still want to bring flourishing to my family. I still want to encourage others. And I just had to sit there and just go like, man, we're having lunch, it's a beautiful day, and I hear you telling me all these awful things that have been happening in your life, and I also hear that you're not done trying to help others flourish. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for hanging in there. Sometimes to seek the flourishing of others, it will be deeply costly to us, and that's okay. God loves broken sinners. Remember that. Remember when you were discouraged yet again that you snapped at your kids. Remember that when you were discouraged yet again that you couldn't figure out your checking account and you had another you know, overdraft fee. Remember that God loves sinners when you are faced with your most vexing and pernicious sins. Because that means that you are still being sought after by Almighty God so that you will flourish. The second thing I would encourage you to consider is, what is the object that you are called to seek the flourishing of? Remember Dallas Willard's definition, seek the flourishing of the object upon which it is directed. What are you called to help flourish right now? Only you can answer this in conversation with God. But if you have a prayer journal, write that question down this week. What am I called to help flourish right now? If you're a teacher, you are called to help your kids flourish, and God bless you. Oh my goodness. What our teachers and our staff and our, our everybody who works at a school right now, I'm going to like apply y'all for sainthood because it is just amazing what you guys are doing. Teachers are seeking the flourishing of kids and families in a dark time. Thank you. What are you called to seek the flourishing of? Maybe you got a phone call the other day that you know a relative really needs help, and you're going, oh, Again, well, pray about it. Use your wisdom. Set good boundaries. And if you are called to seek the flourishing there, go do it. Go do it to the glory of God. If your boss gives you a new assignment and you're like, seriously, I don't have time for this. What if you're called to seek the flourishing of your company through that assignment? And in so doing, you bless countless people. Pray about it. Ask the Lord, is this something I should go do? Lord, will you bring your flourishing through this? Because if so... 
probably should go do it. Figure out what the object of flourishing is. Emily, one of the worshipers at this church, longtime member here, heard about refugees years ago and has devoted so much of her life to loving and serving refugees. And then, with this most recent crisis in Afghanistan, helped rally our church to meet some very basic needs for Afghan refugees. You know what she's doing? She's seeking the flourishing of refugees. Garrett and Michelle Light are members here at this church. They work for Campus Crusade for Christ. They are seeking the flourishing of college students. They were here yesterday putting on an event for their leaders, and I drove by and I just thought, thank you, God, for Garrett and Michelle and their investment in college students. Do you know how hard it is to be a college student right now? It's crazy. But they are stepping into that world and saying, God loves you. God desires for you to flourish. We're praying for you. We're encouraging you. They have found the object of their flourishing. Is it convenient to be called to love refugees or to be called to love college students? Does it fit nicely into your schedule? Does it sort of, can, can you put a nice border and boundary around that? Yeah, I've got about an hour and 15 minutes for refugees today. That's great. No. No. But is it worth it? Are their hearts alive? Are they seeking the flourishing of others and feeling God bringing flourishing into their lives? You better believe it. So when the opportunity arises, church, for you to step into opportunities for flourishing outside the church and inside the church, consider it. Consider it. Consider it prayerfully. But I would strongly encourage you, especially if you've kind of put ministry on the back burner during COVID, now is the time to kind of pull it up to the front burner. Because God is doing amazing things in his church, and we need to be a part of it. Stephanie is going to lead an amazing effort on Saturday, October 23rd, to bless and serve this neighborhood through our scavenger. How many of you went last year? I know a bunch of you went last year. It was so much fun. It's an outdoor event. We welcome the whole neighborhood. We promote the heck out of it with all these different Facebook pages and things that I know nothing about that Stephanie's really good at. And we welcomed in almost 100 people last year to just cover this campus. And kids went around in their Halloween costumes. They were looking for these little trinkets and toys that Stephanie and her team had hidden everywhere. So picture like a dinosaur going hopping through the forest over there. That's what you get to see if you come to our scavenger hunt. And even better than that is to help Stephanie make it come together. One of the things I love about working with Stephanie, and Megan's great at this too, is when you serve with them, you will get a job description, you will get an idea of what you need to do, and you will get resources to do it well. I love that. I love how we love and serve our volunteers. So consider helping Stephanie on the 23rd. There's a sign-up sheet in the back at the ministry table. I will be there, and I'd love to write your name down. We also have opportunities to serve in worship. Just now, when I read the scripture and offered a prayer, you can do that. I would love more people to help lead in worship. So we have a multiplicity of voices up here. So there's people who are using their gifts to speak and to lead beyond me, beyond our teaching team. So if you'd like to be a part of helping host worship, come talk to me. Finally, those of you online will appreciate this. We have really been amazed to see how our online church community just continues to grow. People are continuing to connect on Zoom. But we need people here in worship to help lead our audio-visual team, to help lead our Zoom team. So if you'd like to be a part of that, you don't have to have a ton of expertise. We've got great training and great tools. You can do it once a month, but we really, really, really need help with that team so that our online folks can continue to worship well, and we here in the sanctuary can too. All these opportunities are available at the welcome table. I just want to encourage you guys to come and talk and try to figure out what God may have in store for you. 
love for you to be able to use your gifts to bring flourishing, not just to this church, but to our whole neighborhood. Now we're going to transition to a time where we can discuss together the content of the sermon. One of the things we found in uh, the time when we were online only is people really like the chance to talk to each other. So I'm going to finish up my sermon in a moment and pray, but then you're going to turn your chairs. You can literally pick up your chairs and move them. Get into groups of no bigger than six and just talk. We'll have a warm-up question. We'll have a deeper discussion question. If you're new and you just want to listen, that's great. Just say, hey, I'm new today. I'd rather just listen today. That's fine. But we're really thankful for this time that we have in small groups. So here's the questions to kind of guide the small groups. I didn't realize I left chocolate cake up there. You almost have been like, dang, I'm hungry. Man. Could you put something else up there, man, like a Diet Coke? All right, here's your discussion questions. These are in your bulletin as well. Take a moment and introduce yourself, your name, how long you've been coming to Bethany, and share your favorite dessert. Uh, and then the second one is, as we talked about flourishing today, and so I shared the story of Dick and Judy welcoming me into their house, share a story of someone in your life, at some point in your life, who loved you in such a way that you just felt like you were flourishing. After Dick and Judy welcomed me, I just felt like, Lord, this is the place for me. I really want to do good ministry here. And God blessed the ministry that I was able to be a part of for several years at that church. In no small part, because I felt that love at the beginning of my journey there. So when have you had the opportunity to receive love from someone that brought about flourishing in your life or the lives of others? Those are your discussion questions. I encourage you to turn and chat with each other. And let me pray for us as we make this transition. Jesus, we're so grateful for this time. We're thankful for the call to love one another. If we try to do this on our own strength, oof, it won't be any good. But if we trust you in your strength, your world will be transformed. May it be so. Bless this time that we now have to talk. We ask in Jesus' name.